0: Well, hey there, it's Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to this week's sermon podcast. In Melbourne Heights, we are growing closer to God together. And recently, we've been trying to grow closer to God by taking a deeper look at some of the stories from Jesus's life. And that's exactly what we're going to be doing in this week's sermon. This week's sermon, we're going to continue exploring the Sermon on the Mount. And specifically, we're going to be looking at a few of Jesus's teachings where he talks about some common wisdom that was held But then he turns it and changes it just a bit. This week we're going to hear the common teaching of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, which Jesus changes to say, turn the other cheek instead. We'll also hear the common teaching of you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But Jesus turns that on its head and says that we should love our enemy and pray for those who persecute. Us. So in this week's sermon, we're going to see that the kingdom of God is different than the world that we live in. We're also going to see how being a part of the kingdom of God and living out these teachings of Jesus can change not only our lives, but they can change our world as well. So let's get straight into this week's sermon. Just a few minutes past noon, and all I could hear was the hustle and bustle of a busy Italian restaurant around me. Within a few moments, the hostess had called my party and we began making our way to our booth. The aromas of garlic bread and pasta sauce were pervading my nose. As my group slid our way into the booth, making our way around the table, we began to settle in for a relaxing lunch away from campus. All of our worries, all of our concerns were at least temporarily set aside. It was Monday. Just a few minutes past noon, and all you could hear was the hustle and bustle of police officers, hurriedly working in the aftermath of another senseless tragedy. Just a few minutes earlier, they had been called and began making their way to a small community in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. The scents of a brisk New England fall were pervading their noses. As they first arrived on the scene, they settled in for a stressful ordeal. All the worries, all the concerns of an entire community were placed squarely upon their shoulders. On that Monday, just a few minutes past noon, our worlds couldn't have been any more different. We may have only been separated by about 550 miles, but we might as well have been on opposite sides of the planet. That Monday morning, that Monday, just a few minutes past noon, I was sitting down together with a few friends preparing to enjoy an hour away from our seminary schedule. But they were sitting down with family and friends attempting to console one another after a horrific act of violence. You see, that Monday wasn't just any Monday, that Monday was October 2nd, 2006. And that day, a man named Charles Carl Roberts IV entered into a one-room Amish schoolhouse in rural Pennsylvania, and on that day, he ended the lives of five small girls between the ages of six and thirteen. But that Monday, it started out like any other Monday. Monday. It had been a typical fall day in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, and the morning began with the sounds of birds chirping and the gentle clip-clopping of horses' hooves across the field. And just like every other morning that fall day, 26 children from across that community came together for a day at school. But that peaceful morning was shattered, about 10.30 a.m. when Roberts entered into that schoolhouse. Within minutes, Roberts would release 16 of the students along with the teacher and the other adults that were present, leaving him alone with the 10 female students in the class. By the time 1115 had rolled around that day, Roberts had shot all 10 of the girls, killing five of them and taking his own life as well. As I sat down to lunch that same Monday, just a few minutes past noon, the restaurant We were eating in had just flipped over their TV sets to CNN. And the details of this horrific story were first coming to national attention. And although the coverage of the event was instantaneous, the story went on for far longer than an instant. The story didn't end with a a short blurb on CNN right at noon that day. The story didn't end with the death of those five small girls and the suicide of their attacker. In fact, the horrific event is only the beginning of the real story. Only hours after this tragedy unfolded on that Monday, while the television news networks were still compiling and piecing together the segments that they would air about it on their evening news programs, a grandfather, a grandfather of one of the girls that was killed in that shooting, he spoke out. But he didn't speak out like we're accustomed to in the aftermath of a tragedy. He didn't speak out at a press conference surrounded by members of the media. Instead, he spoke out when he was surrounded by his younger relatives in the Amish community. And he told his fellow Amish, his fellow family members that had gathered around him, don't hate this killer. He said to them, we must not think evil of this man. Another member of the Amish community noted that this man had a mother, had a wife, had a soul, and that he was now standing before a just God. But this story doesn't end with the acts of forgiveness, uh, the, the words of forgiveness that were uttered by that grandfather and other members of the Amish community. It continued to unfold beyond that afternoon, but it started that. It started with the words of the grandfather, it started with the words of this other person in the community, and it continued as other members of the Amish community actually went to the house of their children's attacker. But they weren't carrying pitchforks and torches the way that we would expect them to, rather they went to their attacker's house carrying forgiveness and compassion in their hearts. That afternoon, members of the Amish community sat with Roberts' widow and his children, extending to them forgiveness and comfort in their time of mourning. And these acts of forgiveness, they weren't relegated to that Monday. They continued on for days afterwards. Community members continued to go and to visit and comfort Roberts' widow, his children, his parents, and his in-laws. One member of the Amish community actually held his children's attacker, his father in his own arms, sobbing for over an hour just to help comfort that grief-stricken man. Thirty members of that Amish community actually attended Roberts' funeral. They went to the funeral of the man who had attacked and ended innocent lives in their own community. They didn't go to picket, they didn't go to protest. They went to show love, they went to show forgiveness, they went to console his family. The family of one of his victims even invited Roberts' widow to attend their daughter's funeral. And in perhaps the most surprising element of the entire story for me, the Amish community used a portion of the gifts that they received in the aftermath of that tragedy, to start a charitable fund to help the family of their attacker. Now, it's been over 12 years since that Monday rolled around. It's been over 12 years since that horrific act of violence occurred. It's been over 12 years since the lives of that entire community were turned upside down. It's been over 12 years since the evils of this world collided with the kingdom of God. It was a Monday, just like so many other Mondays, just a few minutes past noon, and all I could hear around me was the hustle and bustle of a busy Italian restaurant. But as news of this event continued to break, the truth is that evil was at work that day, just like any other day. Evil was at work that day just like any other day. An act of senseless violence had occurred just like it does every single day in this world. Innocent people were hurt that day just like they are every single day in this world. The powerless were victimized while one person in power got to have his way. Just like it happens every single day in this world. People died just like they do every single day in this world. And people grieve, just like they do every single day in this world. It was a Monday, just a few minutes past noon, and a community had been devastated. But the truth is that the kingdom of God was at work that day, just like it is every other day. An act of violence had occurred but it wasn't the final word. Hatred and retaliation were expected, but these two were foreign and they were out of place in the kingdom of God, just like they are every other day. Forgiveness and love were expressed just like they are every other day in the kingdom of God. Grief and mourning were comforted just like they are every other day in God's kingdom. And enemies were not attacked, but instead they were loved just like they are every day in the kingdom of God. On this day, the world we live in and the kingdom of God collided. In our world, another senseless act of violence had taken place just like it does every other day. But in God's kingdom, this violence is not a reality. It doesn't belong. In our world, retaliation is expected when events like this unfold, as people demand an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But in God's kingdom, forgiveness is required, as people are expected to turn the other cheek. I think that's why this story is so memorable to me. Even though it happened more than 12 years ago, and I've forgotten so many other horrific and tragic acts that have taken place over those dozen years, That's why this story still stands out to me, because of the contrast of the world that we live in and the kingdom of God that we are moving toward. The story of this Amish community and the way that they loved and cared for a family that had brought violence and death into their community, it's almost unbelievable whenever I hear it. This story is about a different world a different reality than the one that we are so accustomed to. But it's also the story of a world that we desperately long for. It's the story of a world that is built out of love and forgiveness instead of being built on hatred and vengeance. Whenever I think back to this story, whenever I think about the way the Amish community responded in the aftermath of this tragedy, There's one question that keeps coming to my mind. How can their reality become the reality of the world that we live in? How can we overcome violence with compassion? How can we forgive instead of retaliating? How can we choose to love each other instead of choosing to hate those that we call our enemy? The Amish community that experienced an unimaginable tragedy that day, found the secret. They found the secret to love and to forgive instead of hating and retaliating. And fortunately for us, the secret that they found isn't really that hidden away. The secret that they found isn't really that hard to uncover and discover. The secret that they had, that they found, isn't hard to find at all. Because the secret to loving instead of hating, the secret to forgiving instead of retaliating, is found in Jesus. The secret to loving instead of hating, the secret to forgiving instead of retaliating, is found in Jesus. And we can find it too in passages like the one we're going to be reading this morning. So go ahead and grab your Bible, whether you've got a printed one like mine, an app on your phone, and turn to Matthew chapter 5. Now, we've already talked about this a little bit this morning, but this comes from the Sermon on the Mount inside of Matthew's Gospel. And Matthew's Gospel is basically a biography of Jesus' life. It records the events that happened from Jesus' birth to the start of his ministry, the miracles that he performs. It talks about his crucifixion, his resurrection. But today, in Matthew chapter 5, we see one of Jesus' teachings. And the Sermon on the Mount is the most in-depth teaching that is recorded for us of Jesus anywhere in the Bible. But today I want to call your attention to Matthew chapter 5. We'll start looking together in verse 38. And in this passage, Jesus is going to teach us about the reality of a different world, the reality of his world. And Jesus is going to teach us how we can live into that reality. So let's listen to these words from Matthew chapter 5. We'll start reading in verse 38. Jesus says... You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, that you must not oppose those who want to hurt you. If people slap you on your right cheek, you must turn to them your left as well. When they wish to haul you to court and to take your shirt, let them have your coat too. When they force you to go one mile, go with them too. Give to those who ask. And don't refuse those who wish to borrow from you. You've heard that it was said you must love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you will be acting as children of your Father who is in heaven. He makes the sun rise on both the evil and the good. And he sends the rain down on both the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love only those who love you, what reward do you have? Don't even the tax collectors do that? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing? Don't even the Gentiles do that? Therefore, just as your Heavenly Father is complete in showing love to everyone, so you also must be complete. So how do you love instead of hate? How do you forgive instead of retaliate? Jesus tells us in this passage. Jesus tells us to turn the other cheek. Jesus tells us to go the extra mile. Jesus tells us to love our enemies. That's the secret. That's the secret to loving instead of hating. That's the secret to forgiving instead of retaliating. It's turning the other cheek. It's going the extra mile. It's loving our enemies. But as I've thought about these words of Jesus over the last few weeks as I've gotten ready for the sermon and I've read and I've reread this teaching dozens of times, there's still one question that constantly keeps popping up in my mind. Is it possible? Is it possible? If we follow these teachings of Jesus, is it possible that they can actually change anything? Because let's be honest. Let's be honest here. These words, they sound great. They sound great. They're the kind of things that you would expect leaders and teachers to say to us. But do they really work in the world that we live in? Do they really work in the world that we live in? Because in the world we live in, what usually happens is if we turn the other cheek after someone hits us once, we expect we're going to get hit again on the other side. If we hand over our shirt and our coat in this world, then we're going to expect that they're going to want to take our pants and our shoes too. If we try to go that extra mile, we expect that we're going to be drug along for two or three more. If we try to really love our enemies, we're just going to be victimized by them over and over again. So it may sound good to say that we should turn the other cheek, but will that actually change anything? And it can sound good to say that we should love our enemies, but is that going to really change us, them? world we live in. I mean, we do call these people our enemies for a reason. But as I struggle with that question, is it possible, does any of these teachings, can any of them make any difference in this world? Something hit me. While I was coming up with complaints for why this stuff it could never work in the world that we live in, I was reminded that every single one of them have already worked in this world. Jesus' teachings inside of the Sermon on the Mount have already been put into practice. And they've been put into practice not just by that Amish community living in rural Pennsylvania a dozen years ago. Every single word that Jesus said has already been put into practice by Jesus himself. When Jesus was turned over to his enemies, The people who wanted to capture him, to arrest him, to imprison him, and to crucify him. He willingly took on the horrific physical abuse they wanted to dole out. When his life was demanded of him, he willingly laid it down. When the soldiers marched him off to Golgotha, the place where he would be crucified, he willingly picked up and carried his own cross. But Jesus didn't have to. Jesus didn't have to do any of those things. When the first of his attackers struck a whip blow against him, Jesus could have seized that whip and he could have struck right back. When he was sentenced to die on the cross, he could have simply stepped down and said, I don't want any of this. When he was forced to pick up and carry his own cross, he could have turned the table on the guards that were, were hauling him away that day and forced them to take up the cross that they deserved instead. Jesus didn't. Jesus didn't do any of those things. Instead, Jesus turned the other cheek. Jesus went the extra mile. Jesus gave all that he had to give and more. And in doing so, he greeted hatred with love. He countered their acts of violence and retaliation with his forgiveness. And he overcame death with life. And here's the thing. As followers of Jesus, we're expected to do the same thing. Jesus doesn't teach these things just to fill up a couple pages inside of our Bibles. Jesus teaches us these things because he wants us to put them into practice. And I know how hard all of that sounds. Because all of this seems like it's better in theory than it is in practice. Because let's be honest, none of us wants to be hit on one cheek, let alone hit on the other cheek. None of us wants to be taken advantage of in any way. So these teachings of Jesus of turning the other cheek, going the extra mile, loving your enemy. They sound impossible. But Jesus has already shown us that all of these things are possible. That if we love instead of hate, if we forgive instead of retaliating, if we give rather than take, this world can be changed. I mean, we're sitting in this place, two thousand years after Jesus walked this earth, two thousand years after He was crucified and raised from the dead, worshiping Him because what He says changed the world. But just because Jesus showed us that these things are possible, doesn't mean that any of this stuff is easy. Following Jesus is always difficult. Following Jesus always challenges us to go farther than we want to go. And that's exactly what Jesus challenges us to do in this passage. Go farther than you want to go in following him. Because our initial reaction when someone hits us is to strike back. But if we want to change the world, then we have to change too. So instead of striking back when someone lashes out at you, You have to be different. You have to turn the other cheek. And when someone comes to you and they are in need of your help or your assistance, you may want to do the bare minimum to help or ignore their plight and their pain altogether. But if you want to change the world, then we have to change too. So when someone is in need, we're supposed to do more than is required of us. And when someone is our enemy, When someone is our enemy, we may want to hate them with every fiber in our being. But if we want to change the world, we have to change too. So when someone hates us, we're supposed to love them. And if you and I, and we all start to change the way that we behave, if we stop living less like the world around us, and we start living more like the Jesus within us, we might just see the world that we live in change. We might just start to see a world where the violent acts of an individual are overwhelmed by the love and forgiveness of a community. We might just start to see a world that is filled with hatred and anger change and be conquered by a world that is filled with love. We might just see a world where we can actually sit down at the table with people that we don't like and embrace one another with love. The world can be changed because of Jesus. The world has already been changed because of Jesus. But for us to continue to make a difference for Jesus in this world, it's not easy. It's not easy. But no one ever said that following Jesus is supposed to be easy for us to do. But the world can be changed. But it has to begin with you. It has to begin with me. It has to begin with all of us. And it has to begin with us taking seriously these things that Jesus teaches us. When someone acts out against you, you're supposed to respond in love. When someone wants to take from you, you're supposed to give. When someone wants to hate you, you're supposed to befriend them and love them, and pray for them. That's exactly what Jesus told us to do. To follow him. To do what he challenges, what he calls us, what he expects us to do. And if we will, if we'll take seriously the words of Jesus and put them into action, we can see the world we live in change. Let's pray together. God, these words that we've heard today are so counterintuitive to what we've ever experienced in life. We have heard that it said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But God, you command us to turn the other cheek. We've heard it said that we should love our neighbors and hate our enemies. God, you tell us to love our enemies and to pray for them too. It just doesn't make sense, God. It doesn't make sense that living this way can change anything. God, we've already seen how the life of your son changed everything. So God, challenge us to put these words into practice. As hard as they are and as nonsensical as they may sound, allow us to show your love in a world that is filled with hate. We pray it in Jesus' name. Well, hey there, it's Adam again, and I just want to thank you for tuning in to this week's sermon podcast. We hope that it's encouraged you, that it's inspired you, and most of all, that it's helped you grow closer in your relationship with God. Now next week in our sermon podcast we're going to be wrapping up this series where we've been digging deeper into stories from the life of Jesus and we're going to be taking a closer look at the story of Jesus's transfiguration and what that has to tell us about who Jesus really is. And in two weeks we're going to launch into a brand new series of sermons where we're going to be exploring questions that have no easy answers. We're going to be thinking about why bad things happen to good people. We're going to be thinking about where God is when it hurts and we're going to be struggling with the issues of pain and suffering in our world. So we hope that you'll tune in next week as we finish up this series and in a few weeks as we launch into something brand new. And if you've enjoyed today's sermon podcast, let me ask you to do just a couple of things for us before we go. The first thing that I'd love for you to do is to hop into your favorite podcasting app and leave us a review. Your reviews mean a whole lot, and they help get the word out about this podcast so that your friends and other folks can grow in their relationship with God as well. And while you're in there, make sure you subscribe to our show so that whenever we release a new sermon podcast, which drops every Tuesday morning, you'll have it right there waiting for you to listen to it. So thanks for tuning in. We hope that you have a great week and we will see you next Tuesday.